Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Oftentimes in my conversations with people, or even when I do public speaking, or even when I'm talking to you as I am now on the radio, and I'm glad you're listening, I will use the term ascetical or asceticism. Now, for me, that term is very familiar. It comes very natural, and I use it often, because it's used often in the Eastern Christian spirituality, in our liturgy, in our writings of the Desert Fathers, and so on. But I find that as I use it, I get funny looks. And I'm not usually prepared for that, because as I mentioned, for me, it's such a natural word. But Maybe it is a strange word in our vocabulary. Like many of our words in the Eastern churches, it has its roots in another language, such as Greek. And asceticism may sound funny, may not be commonly used, and also its meaning is probably even more foreign to us. But to understand asceticism is essential to the life of the Christian, to the life of growth and holiness, which we call in the Eastern churches theosis, or demonization, our ongoing growth more and more into our true selves, which means into the image and likeness of God. Asceticism is essential for really all the problems of our world today. In fact, a lot of our problems is because we don't understand the word or the meaning, nor do we practice asceticism. So what is asceticism? Now, it's spelled A-S-C-E-T-I-S-I-S-M, asceticism, or ascetical, or the ascetics. Now, to use a little bit more of a Greek pronunciation, the word would be eschesis, eschesis. To understand this word and also why it's relevant, we're going to turn to one of our favorite sources here at Light of the East. It's called The Spirituality of the Christian World by Thomas Spiedlich. It's a classic book, I would say a modern-day classic For those of you who are interested, as many people are, they often ask me, where can I get more information about the Eastern churches? and Eastern spirituality. Well, this is one of those sources, this spirituality of the Christian East, pretty straightforward, (laughs) by Thomas Spiedlich. In Thomas Spiedlich's book, he says this about asceticism. We're going to start out talking about the meaning of the word itself. 
the etymology of the Greek term eskeo means to exercise, eskesis, training, and esketis, one who practices, remains obscure. Homer used the term to express the idea of an artistic or technical work. So again, we have three terms here, which means to exercise, the one who practices it, and also training. Okay, all these words go together in understanding this whole concept of asceticism. I'll continue reading. The term became highly successful when it was applied to physical exercise, that of athletes or soldiers, exercising the mind and will. Here it is used alternately with maliti, meditation, and particularly its attentive and progressive application. And three, the cultic and religious life. Now, St. Paul used the term eskeo in Acts chapter 24, verse 16, though what it describes is found frequently in his thought. He calls the practice of the godly life exercise. You can also refer to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. In the Apostolic Fathers and the second century apologists, the Christian was called not eskatus, but athletes. With Clement of Alexandria and Origen, the term took on current and precise meanings in Christian parlance, especially through the intermediary of Philo. In comparison with the Pythagoreans, Origen called those who live the life of perfection asketai. Asceticism entails a training that is both reflective and persevering. For Athanasius, the ascetic effort means a tension which knows no rest and tolerated no inattention. It is in this sense that he had Anthony begin his great discourse to the Egyptian monks. Yet there is also the less organized form of asceticism, which counts mainly on the difficulty of daily life and which patiently overcomes the hardships of each day. It is in this sense that one may speak of the moderate asceticism of the Russian monks who endured hard manual labor and inclement weather. Now, Krishna says Christian asceticism is undoubtedly different from mere gymnastics. It is a quest for a life with God. On the other hand, there has always been a strong belief in the effectiveness of cooperation between God and man. This means not only a rendering of the various elements of human psychology, but also and above all, the growth of Christ in the soul. We can therefore say that the union of asceticism and mysticism is the doctrinal foundation of all forms of monasticism. Now, the last sentence is pretty powerful and very significant for any of our study here, as we do on Lay of the East, of the Eastern Christian spirituality. I'm going to read it again. This is from Thomas Spielich's book, The Spirituality of the Christian East. We can therefore say that the union of asceticism and mysticism is the doctrinal foundation of all forms of monasticism. And in fact, Origen, an early century father of the church, who later on was accused of some heresy, but I want to qualify that a little bit. Origen was a great mind of the church, one of the greatest minds ever, believe it or not. And I liken him to something like, well, like a cup that runneth over. His mind was so full and fertile and had a deep faith that he kind of spilled over a bit. Maybe he was thinking too much, and he ran into some things that were a little bit over the edge as far as what the church teaches, just on a couple points. One of those was called apokatastasis, but that's for another show. I just wanted to make that little footnote about Origen. That's why we're quoting him. Even though he may have gotten a little bit over the top, nonetheless, 
still a very valuable source for our studies of early Christian spirituality, both East and West, but especially the East. It was Origen who popularized the phrase martyrdom of conscience. Martyrdom of conscience. Now, that's in reference to the asceticism that grew up with early monasticism. And early monasticism grew up because there was a thirst for martyrdom. See, we sometimes want to avoid martyrdom or the cross or any kind of sacrifice, self-denial, any kind of pain or suffering for our faith, any kind of inconvenience. You notice how in the church, both East and West, especially in the Western world, we tend to bend over backwards to try to accommodate everybody. We just want to accommodate them, make sure they're comfortable and they're happy and they're coming to church. Problem is, though, we give the impression of a, well, a kind of a counterfeit Christianity because there is no Christianity without the cross. Yes, there's the resurrection, but the resurrection comes together with the cross. So what happened in the early church is when martyrdom, blood martyrdom, no longer was practiced, in other words, Christianity was legal. They stopped killing Christians. And this started to happen around the early part of the fourth century. There were Christians who were so sincere that they actually missed the fact that they couldn't be martyred. Not that they wanted to die or they were morbid, but they wanted to so profess their faith, so give of themselves, so totally in witness of their faith that they actually longed for martyrdom, not for death and suffering but for a witness, which at that time, of course, happened to be the ultimate witness of martyrdom. Well, as blood martyrdom began to die out, they came up with another form of martyrdom, as Origen is speaking here, the martyrdom of conscience. And this is called white martyrdom, where you're no longer shedding blood, but you are shedding a lot of other things as well. You're shedding the tyranny of our fallen passions. You're shedding our selfishness, our pride, our self-centeredness that is so deeply rooted in all of us because of original sin, and it does not go away easy. So asceticism became this martyrdom of conscience as monks began to embrace white martyrdom in the deserts. Now, when we talk about this asceticism, we are referring to, as you've probably noticed already, largely the desert monks. Now, they were the first to practice asceticism in the way they were speaking about it. But even before them, in the Old Testament, and just at the bridge of the Old New Testament, there were those who followed St. John the Baptist and the Essene civilization, the Essene community, which is down near the Dead Sea. And these people were very ascetical as well. Now, ascetical means a practice, as we heard, an exercise, like an athlete, is an exercise or practice of denial, of self-denial, not just for the sake of self-denial, not because we're being morbid or strange or we just want to punish ourselves. It's a self-denial that builds our spirituality, builds our character, defeats, breaks the tyranny of the passions that prevent us from being, and here's the ultimate goal of asceticism, of being people of real charity. You know, love is always the ultimate goal. But to really love as God loves, to love in that really whole and pure way, as Christ did, requires us to be released from the shackles, the psycho-spiritual shackles that prevent us from truly loving. And those shackles don't break easily, so they have to be broken. 
And the Desert Fathers came up with ways to break the shackles of the tyranny of our fallen passions. When we return, we're going to talk more about this strange but relevant word, asceticism. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We're talking about this strange word, asceticism. Strange but yet relevant word. Its meaning is very relevant because it has to do with something that is relevant for all times, as long as we're human, as long as we're living in the time after the sin of Adam and Eve. And that relevancy is the breaking of the tyranny of our passions through ascetical disciplines. And again, asceticism, think of it as the word athlete. Think of what an athlete does. We've seen the recent Summer Olympics, and for some of those young athletes to do what they do, sometimes they do present to us some information about the rigors of their training for what they do. It's incredible, isn't it? You'd have to be a person of incredible discipline and really rigorous training and exercise to do what they do. Well, translate that to the spiritual life. Why does an athlete have to, in a sense, break their body down, break it and rebuild it? They have to go through pain and sweat and effort. Well, because the body by nature is affected by original sin and it has a certain inherent laziness to it. It doesn't want to work hard 
doesn't want to strive beyond itself. Yet when you do, you end up with the kind of body that you see in these Olympic athletes that we all wish we had, because <laughs> we know that is how our body should be, trim and fit and muscular and so on. Well, same thing with our spiritual life. Our spiritual life is, like our bodies, wounded. It has an inherent laziness to it. So we have to break the tyranny, as I keep calling it, the tyranny of our fallen passions. Now, our passions are good. Our passions are our desire for God, for what is true, good, and beautiful. But they have been scarred, fallen, corrupted by original sin. But because of Christ, they can be redeemed. But that redemption is a process. It doesn't happen easily. We have to overcome this tyranny. So we do things like fasting. That's part of the ascetical discipline, fasting. And when we say fasting, we mean not only from food, primarily from foods in the various disciplines of the church, but also fasting from anything at all. For example, we're all in various ways, I would say, addicted to our gadgets, to our iPods and iPhones and computers. Well, one of the things we can do is we can actually do something like this. Spend a few minutes less each day. Whenever we go to reach for that, as if we need it as badly as we need food or water or air, that's how we act with those things sometimes, as we reach for it as a normal part of our pattern, tell ourselves, no, I'm not going to reach for it. I'm not going to go there right now. I'll come back to it maybe later. But right now, even though I want to do it, I yearn to do it. It's habitual, almost addictive. In some ways it is addictive. I will not do it. I simply will not do it because I'm going to teach myself that I cannot and should not be dependent upon this gadget from the first moment I wake up to the last moment I go to sleep. Now, when you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to hear this voice in your head. You're going to feel this resistance. What? No, I want that. Take it. Grab it. I want it. And that's where the struggle begins. That's the athleticism. That's the asceticism where we say no to that voice, no to that yearning. And in order to do that in one area of our life, we need to do it in other areas. That's why when we fast, we also abstain, or we certainly suggest here, Eli of the East, that you abstain from other things. In this case, as I mentioned, that spontaneous, almost compulsive reach for our gadgets, whatever they are. But we can resist a lot of other things. TV watching, we're just sort of playing around on our computer, talking on the phone, just all kinds of things that are really not that necessary. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're not all that necessary. And we act as though not only are they necessary, but we act as though we can't live without them. So an ascetical discipline is very relevant to our life today as we labor under the tyranny of gadgets, <laughs> of our electronic gadgets, our social media gadgets. But there's all kinds of ways in which we are addicted or obsessed or under the power of something else. Another example would be food or even foul language, gossip, criticism, angry thoughts. There's lots of things that we do throughout the day that we know we really don't want to do, we'd rather not do, but we do it. And we try oftentimes, we go to confession, we go to confession again, it seems like it just keeps repeating. Well, that's because we need, yes, we need confession, but we need asceticism. Fasting, saying no to self, and also living a life that has certain rigors to it. The great desert monks, the Eastern churches, who really taught us a lot about asceticism, they used to live very hard lives on purpose. 
They would sleep on the floor, live in caves, eat very little, sleep very little, pray a lot, long, hard prayers. They would work hard. They would live by themselves or in small communities. They purposely made a hard life for themselves. Again, not because they were trying to be masochistic or something like that. They knew that this was all part of that breaking of their dependencies, the breaking of the tyranny of their passions. This was all part of their life of asceticism, which is why we call them ascetics. Some of them even lived on pillars. They were called stylites, like Daniel the stylite and Simeon the stylite. They would actually live on a pole, and they really wouldn't come down from that pole except if they were really, really asked to do so. And people would come and stand at the bottom of that column, that pole, and they would talk to them, and they would, they would receive great wisdom from them and great charity. Because sitting on top of that pole, away from everything, by themselves, practicing asceticism, they did develop great wisdom. They opened themselves up to the grace of God. Now, we would find that to be strange today, but we have to understand it in the context of its times and what it produced. There are people who are called fools for Christ, where they purposely acted like crazy people, like they were insane, and they did so for Christ, or to escape adulation or fame, or even being taken to be married to somebody they want to be married to. They wanted to live just for Christ, and so sometimes they feigned being crazy. They were called fools for Christ. There's a lot of things that we might consider to be strange, but the thing that's important is this. They're all part of that one fundamental action of saying no to ourselves and yes to our greater selves. Let's read a little bit more from the book, the classic book we like here on Light of the East, which we recommend everybody, called Spirituality of the Christian East by Thomas Spiedlick. Father Spiedlick, in his book, The Spirituality of the Christian East, writing about asceticism, also says this, and this is a section on self-denial, renunciation which, as you've heard so far, is very much a part of asceticism. The negative aspect of praxis, another Greek word, is indicated in the New Testament by several terms, self-denial, renunciation, detachment, being crucified with Christ. Each term expresses a special nuance of common root. The verb apotasasthai, meaning to renounce, is found in Luke chapter 14. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the term is used several times in the sense of saying farewell or taking leave. In ascetic text, the direct object of the verb is to cosmo tuto, in other words, the entire world, or pacen, everything. The more ancient noun is apotaxis, the more recent one, apotage. For Justin, the detachment from all things, even from life itself, which Christians practice in martyrdom, was enough to prove their innocence and their virtue. For monks, apotage means a true renunciation of all property, of being without possessions. To renounce things inwardly was necessary for all Christians. John the Solitary drew a distinction between three degrees of detachment, physical detachment, the abandonment of possessions, psychic detachment, the removal of passions, and spiritual detachments, the surrender of one's opinions. Detachment from possessions and from the passions can be practiced on earth, but being detached from one's opinions belongs to the life following the resurrection. So self-renunciation, asceticism, necessary for our spirituality today. Let's face it, we all know we live in a world that is very, very much oriented to self-gratification, to self-interest, to entitlement. 
we have, in a sense, I think, perhaps more than any other time in history, the raging of the ego and of the pride, of the narcissism. I think we all sense that. I would say it's probably worse now than any other time in history, but maybe not. But certainly as we live in this time, we can all look at it, we all feel it and experience it. So this is why asceticism is not just an ancient practice of some strange Greek monks in the desert, but rather something that is relevant for all time. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Willcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.